Checkity check. All right, we're good. Yeah, I've been mainly posting the podcast on YouTube, which is um, not the smartest thing, but also I feel like it kind of, the way that the platforms work, I kind of think it is the smarter way to start right now for me, because most of what I do is like video based in nature anyway. But yeah, I've definitely slacked on the podcast and or the, the Spotify and iTunes thing. I have an RSS feed, like all that set up. I don't, I don't know why I like keep forgetting every week to put it on. You should set it up because people do really like listening to podcasts while they're doing stuff, which means they're yeah. not going to take the time to put on a YouTube video and keep listening to the podcast with a YouTube video as often. I, that's what I've noticed because my, my YouTube views are usually pretty minimal compared to the downloads I'll get. Oh, really? Yeah. What are, what are your numbers like for the downloads? So on average, it's been around like anywhere from 20 to 40. I've had, okay. I've had one episode that got like, for some reason, got 66 downloads in a week, nice. which was awesome. I, wow. I was super excited about that. But then like the very next episode has only gotten 20 downloads. So like I've not figured out quite yet what's happening where some episodes have gotten more attention and some have built up over time. But without a doubt, people I've gotten more people who've said stuff about listen to it than people have watched it. Yeah. So I guess that's my question with like the Spotify and iTunes thing is like, how do people find it? Like, is there an algorithm that pushes it or what? Like, I don't know anything about it. I have, I've looked for my podcast on Spotify because I set it up and it's like, I have to scroll for ages just to find my show. I don't know if it's a matter of getting more reviews for it to pop up because I don't think mine has gotten like into any lists of any sort yet. I've, I've tried to like put you know, the, the keywords in it so that when you search men's mental health podcast, it's somewhere down on the list. And I'm not sure what I got to do to get it higher up on that list. Right. But I, I actually got an email from Spotify recently that was like, a, you know, something for like podcasters to look into how to make their shit more optimized and marketed. So I got to I've, I've been meaning to read it to see what I can do to get Spotify to pick it up because Spotify also has a forum that you can submit for a young upcoming podcast where they will put you in like some kind of podcast, you know, um, trending list that I got to figure out how to, you know, I got to submit the form and see if I can get that picked up by them. Where like really? if you have so many episodes posted, they'll do that for you. Okay. So yeah, I guess what I'm going to do is I'm going to mass upload all of my stuff because I'm at, I think you'll be the 10th episode and I've only posted one episode on Spotify, iTunes. And I think it's somewhere else too. I forgot. Um, one thing that I'm highly considering is doing Twitch okay. or Rumble or Kick with those, the podcast. Those are all kind of big now. Yeah. And like, because live streaming seems to be like the big thing right now. So I'm thinking about maybe live streaming each pod that I do because I have all, I have literally all the gear that you could ever need to do any of that stuff. Um, but the IRL thing is like exploding IRL streaming part of me wants to say that you got to have the following to make that blow up. But I don't know. It, people obviously have blown up with it without having a following to start. So yeah, I mean, they got to find you somehow. Right? Yeah. 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 So anyways, with that being said, what's up everybody. Welcome back to another podcast, the counterculture show. Um, I'm here with my friend, John. What's up, dude? What's going on, man? And uh, so John, at the beginning of every podcast, I try to give people their flowers, right? Um, tell you how you've affected me in my life. As long as we're friends, there's been some people that I haven't done that to. I understand that's because we're not really friends. I haven't met them before. 
type thing. But you and I have sat down a multiple, a multitude of times just to talk. And I think that you have been really, how do I say it? You've been pretty integral in my ability to kind of reflect on myself and my own mental health, especially when it comes to uh, children, like we were just talking about before and how I actually treat my own child. And I think that as an effect of talking to you, I've learned how to kind of deal with my own kid, even though you don't, you're not a father yet, but I think that I've been able to deal with my kid a little bit better. So I thank you for that. Hey, thank you. I mean, that's one of the kindest things you can say to me. Yeah. Well, you deserve it, dude. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. So John has his own podcast and I thought that'd be a really good idea to get you on. Actually, I didn't even think it'd be a good idea. We just, we've done this so many times. I feel like that it's just, it would be bad if we didn't do one together. Yeah. Especially in the early stages before we blow the frick up. Um, We've had so many damn deep conversations. So many. And we just need to record them, you know, every time that they happen. We haven't talked in a long time, so I'm really happy that you're here. Um, John has his own show. It's called Unturned Stones, correct? Yep. Where he talks about men's mental health. And I think that that's probably the direction we'll mostly go today is talking about more so what your show is about and like how you view mental health because I think you have a really good perspective on it, especially due to today's society and how we view men's mental health in general. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, especially because like with my show, I try to make it like not a clinical way of looking at mental health. Like it's not a self-help podcast. It's not a, I'm not trying to guide people. I'm trying to give people stories uh, mainly i want to interview i'm interviewing men where these men get to tell their story about their life and how mental health's come into their life how it's affected them in their sorry in their adult life and in their childhood and whatnot so that other men can hear it and like relate to these stories because i think so much of men's mental health is not therapy is so geared towards women it is it's always been geared towards women because men and women are different preach preach and at the end of the day, men don't always necessarily want to sit there and talk about clinical mental health, but men like to share stories and then they like to feel like they're a part of a bigger group. That's what, that's why men lo- you know, love sports teams. That's why you, you have a lot of men who join the military and they're part of this brotherhood where they, they're sharing something together with all these other men and then really struggle after the military. It's why a lot of guys yep. who play college sports or pro sports really struggle with their mental health once they're done playing that team sport because we like having tribe tribe yeah we're very tribal exactly so that's the whole point of my podcast is to give guys like a a glimpse into other men's lives of how they have dealt with shit that they might listen to it relate to it and be like shit all right like it's either going to give them comfort that okay i'm on that path i've been through some of those changes or it gives them a bit of uh, a blueprint of what to do possibly next and there's so many varying situations that we can talk about here but that's ultimately the biggest goal is I want men to be able to relate to each other more. Sure. I, uh, I just had that talk with like three people last or on Saturday about, we went to dinner, a rarity. We go out to dinner, right? But, uh, we went to dinner with two of our friends and we talked about men and how they deal with their feelings and like how women deal with like, so it was the, the scenario was a breakup, how men deal with the breakup and how women deal with the breakup. And the two women, of course, were saying that um, women deal with it head on. They go and they get support from their friends and friends are like more supportive or whatever. And men just kind of like sit back and wait for it to like, they kind of sulk in it and they might like get over somebody to, or get under somebody to get over them or whatever. And my whole perspective on it is 
the inverse, a hundred percent. I think that men and women are different. Like you said, in the fact that we don't need to go to therapy. I think that therapy for sure is geared towards women because women like to talk about their feelings. Men like to do something to deal with the feelings, right? Like actively do something about it. And that when women go to their support, this is where I think that men and women are different in their support groups. Um, they're not really going to like deal with their issue or to get support because the support looks like, tell me if I am wrong, women literally comment on this video, the support, when they go and talk about their boyfriend to, to, um, their friends is like, you know, screw that guy. He was this, he was that it's kind of just like trash talking the guy. And I can come up with a hundred scenarios of how I know that that's true and when a guy might talk to his friends, they're like, well, it, as long as you have friends that are G's that like keep it real with you, they're like, hey man, you kind of messed up in these areas. Like this is, this is what the real real is, right? And almost never, and the two women ended up agreeing with me about this, almost never does that happen in the woman's perspective or the woman's like uh, feedback loop from their friends. Yeah, it's almost like a venting. Women, women need to vent and then get affirmation validation validation about their 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 venting where men now okay i both need that by the way both need that because i do think venting is a is a way to unpack yeah totally that's good now how women vent is a little different than how men need to vent men men should vent but it's it needs to be venting and then eventually coming to a solution where women are, are okay with venting and not necessarily needing to come to a solution just vent feel better you know emotionally bond with your friends and then they move on men Mm -hmm. We don't emotionally bond with our friends, so we can vent to unpack, but then we need to figure out the next step to take to move forward from whatever whatever it is, whether it's a breakup or some other shitty shit that happens in life. Right. Totally. Yeah. I think that um, that's why it feels so weird for like guys to cry in front of other guys, right? Because it's like a really cathartic experience for us. Like if you cry, like some real shit happened, you know, where for women, it's almost just like a like a physiological response to just like stress in general. Like they'll, you know, they'll just cry. You know, if you talk to most men, especially men that played sports, they'll tell you they, they never cry, but they have cried in a sporting event. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, because the way, the way men cry is yeah. when we've like shared some kind of experience with other men and it didn't result the way we wanted. And it's, it's like a, it's especially in a competition setting. Yeah. Like that's where men cry and like can feel vulnerable. But you know, we don't do it in everyday life. We don't do it when it comes to everyday circumstances. But you put a bunch of guys on a field to play a game that matters a lot to them and they lose it. They're going to cry together. Yeah. But again, it's that experience of like going through it together, yeah. you know, doing it all together. I've heard and I don't know where I heard this from, but you brought up the military thing. Right. And why soldiers like have such a hard time after the military. I heard that it's not really like PTSD from like what went down in the, in like the field, I'm sure it is that for like a lot of people, but what I've heard is that it's actually the fact that they lost their brothers out there or they don't, they no longer have that support group that they had before because they were so, this is where the emotional bond actually does happen is because you're going through something that's turmoil, that's terrible with a group of people, your tribe. And then that's where they kind of like when they, when they have to separate from that, they no longer know what to do with themselves. See, and so the way we've evolved like as humans is we used to live in such small communities and women all did stuff together in the community. They took care of the children together. They, they had the, they didn't have the burden of being say like a one mom taking care of three kids in a house 
in a little suburb by herself every day. It was a community of women all taking care of the kids. The men all had a community. They all hunted together, gathered together, you know, built and did things together. In the modern society, we all get so like locked away and separated from each other that, yes, when you have like college sports teams, high school sports teams, or then guys join, joining the military so they have this brotherhood, so they keep some kind of community. The second that they're in the real world nowadays, that community almost instantly vanishes. I mean, especially for men who were deployed and spent eight years overseas or eight years, you know, uh, to the service, and then they come home and all of a sudden now, they just got to get up and they go to their nine to five every day. Yeah, it's got to be and tough. And then sit at home at night. Those guys used to literally sit around with a bunch of guys all night, shooting the shit, bonding, getting up, sharing through some challenge or whatever, and then continuing on doing whatever. So like, it's so it's so different than what we evolved with that we almost men need a new blueprint of how to handle things. And I think that's they don't have that. So that's why suicide rates are so high in men. That's why depression is so high in men. I mean, it's high in women, too, because they're also going through that same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear so many, you know, women that don't want to have kids because of the w- mothers who maybe make it seem like it's very hard being a stay at home mom and having a. You know, every day you get up and you're just watching the kids by yourself and trying to take care of the house and cook and clean or whatever, whatever that is. It's because back in the day, that's not how they did it. They, right. They, women would best feed other women's kids in small communities back, you know, thousands of years ago of how we evolved as people, like as humans, as homo sapiens, like it was all community based. We evolved to live in like a community of 150 people. Yeah, totally. And we don't have that now. Yeah. It's funny because, um, I think some people think I'm like kind of weird for the way that I live my life. Right. But like my mom is over all the time. Like she's one of our rocks. She's there all the time. But they say that it takes like a village, right. To like be successful and to raise kids and all that stuff. But I do find the community aspect super important. And especially when it comes to like your family, like my ideal situation, I'm not even kidding you is I buy a plot of land, like 20 acres and everyone's house is on it. Yeah. You know, and everybody's there for everybody at all times. Like I just really do. I believe what you're saying that I believe that that is the exact way you're supposed to live. Yeah. Like uh, you'll see it on Instagram. Some people like, you know, having a family compound where multiple cousins, the grandparents, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like I've seen a couple posts about it and it's definitely something I've heard like iterated a couple of times through Instagram that like there are people out there who like they call it a family compound, you know, and they, they have a 20 acre plot of land and multiple houses on it. And, you know, a big common area where people can get together and see each other. But ultimately, so that way, if somebody has kids and they're raising kids and the husband's off to work during the day that they have this compound of people, family that they can rely on all the time. And yeah, it's I think it's important. I think it can really change the way life feels because life is intrinsically a little difficult. It's it, life isn't meant to be easy. It's not meant to be all joy and happiness and it takes work, but that when that work feels shared with others and you don't feel alone in what you're doing, I think that's where people start to feel very fulfilled and very happy with life. Yeah. I 1000% agree with you when you say that life is not meant to be all like sunshine and rainbows, basically. Right. Like there's meant to be work. That's something that I try to like, I just, I, okay. I might go off a little bit here, but I don't understand the people who are constantly trying to chase like everything that will make them happy. Like every weekend, especially when you're a dude, especially when you're a dude. Okay. I have, I feel, I have this feeling about guys, right. That 
every single weekend you're going out getting drunk or you have to go to some sort of event. You have to be doing like you think that these are the things that are making you happy. You're like getting fucked up every weekend. You're like hanging out with these random fucking girls all the time. You're smoking like weed and doing all this shit. And I'm like, there's a reason why you're constantly on the chase for that every single weekend. There's a reason why when it's Monday, Tuesday, you know, it hits you that you're unhappy and you're already looking forward to the weekend. It's because you haven't figured out purpose and like what is going to drive you every single day. So that's why you're chasing this high every single week. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, I just can't, I cannot. I think that that's really where the mental health crisis is for guys. Well, let's get into that because what's happened in our culture, especially this is, this is in America, but this is now starting to bleed into Eastern culture and other cultures as well. It's individualism. Why don't you give a little brief history about your your background, real quick? Like, My background? yeah, like your ethnicity and stuff. Yeah, so I uh, I'm Arabic. I was yeah. born in San Diego, California, but when I was four years old, I moved to the Middle East. I'm on Jordan because that's where my my mom's side of the family lives, but that's where my dad's side of the family also was from. But they had migrated in the '70s to America, so. They were living in San Diego, and that's my dad met my mom in Jordan, brought her back to San Diego, had me and my sister. And then when I was four years old, we moved back to um, Amman, Jordan. And then I lived there for five years in the Middle East where, you know, such a different culture, such a different way of life, mm-hmm. which is funny because I just recently went back and kind of got reminded of some some of that um, and the difference that you see between here and there. But then I came back to America when I was nine years old, and I've been here since I was nine in, in the Midwest, which, I mean, I'm very glad my dad brought us back to the Midwest because I, yeah. I I love being a Midwest, Midwest guy now. I love Wisconsin. I, I don't want to live on the East or West Coast. But uh, that that has given me such a different perspective on life because the way that Arabic culture is, the way family is, I mean, you know, like my uncle would stop every day on his way from home to go see my grandma before he went went to his own house to see his wife and kid, you know? Yeah. Like family and community is much more bred into the culture there. Like totally. Everybody in the neighborhood knows everybody. They talk to each other. If something happens, everybody's gonna be there to support everybody in this such a different way. Like when we were even when we were down in Jordan just in in July here, we were like taking a trip down to Wadi Rum, which is three hours away from Amman and hmm. we're driving down the road, somebody rear-ended us, and it was a you know pretty bad accident for the person behind us. Our car, tank, thankfully, was all right. Jeez. Nobody was hurt, but it's amazing the amount of people that drove by that stopped and like, hey, what can we do? Do you guys need help? Do you need a ride somewhere? Like, what can we do for you? Just complete random strangers, just almost like one out of like two, every two people kept stopping to ask if we needed help. Sure. Like 50% of That's the people crazy. were stopping to check on us and ask what they could do, take time out of their day to help us. If you get yeah. in an accident in America and you're on the side of the road, yeah. people, maybe if you're in the country, maybe if you're out in like some real nice, like maybe. small town, rural country, Yeah. but not in a city. Not in Milwaukee. No, They're thinking about how they can rob you. Yeah. <laughs> or just, I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to keep driving past it. You know? Yeah. So it, it, that that really has given me a different perspective on life in America compared to like what you see around. Sure. Um, so that's the whole reason why I wanted you to kind of describe your background, how you came, how you grew up and stuff. Because, did you hear that? Yeah, I did. Weird. That's the reason why I wanted you to describe that. Because um, I think that's going to tie into what you were saying before really, really heavily. Yeah. So individualism has been slowly rising in America, I think, since the 70s. Um, I think it really happened, started really happening after like the sexual revolution that happened in like Mm -hmm. the late 60s into the 70s. Yes. Where people started thinking that like, 
the purpose of life and th th it's been accelerated with technology it's been accelerated with the internet and it's really accelerated in the last 20 years let alone the last 10 years because of the social media that people think life is about being happy yeah people if you talk to somebody from 100 years ago just 100 years ago let's not even get 200 300 let alone a thousand years ago happiness was literally not on anybody's mind Life is suffering, dude. Life is suffering. And yeah. the suffering meant it's survival. It's how can I, what can I do to get up every day? Because forget, you know, forget even the survival part. People just had to do things all day long. Yeah. We didn't have all these things that we have now to make life so easy and so, mm -hmm. so fast, so fast paced that like you didn't have time to sit there and be like, man, I'm, I'm depressed. What can I do to make myself not right. depressed? What can I take? What can I engage in? Like so many things have just gotten worse and worse because people have, started to prioritize their happiness above everything else yeah i agree with you 100 percent. and you hear this a lot in people our age group right now because so many people don't want to get married mm -hmm. because marriage is hard marriage is difficult yep. like marriage is not this all sunshine and rainbows thing it's a thing you have to put in effort in day in day out you have to be you're trying to be a better person so that you learn how to work and live with somebody else and to prioritize somebody else's happiness over yours let alone when you have a kid and now you're you truly have to prioritize somebody else's happiness because yeah. all of a sudden like this thing needs you and you cannot put what you want first anymore so so many people are talking about like you know i don't want to get married i don't want to have kids and all i hear is yeah. selfishness well so, and like you know I, I really hate to sit here and tell people what they should do with their lives because i don't i don't like that i don't think i don't want to tell people what to do with their lives but i can't help but hear when somebody says that that all they're focused about focus on is their happiness that's all they're really themselves thinking. themselves their yeah. happiness themselves and like they they don't want to consider what it means like first of all we are literally only on this planet and exist now because your ancestors fucked and had kids yeah yeah and then yeah. they're you know their their offspring fucked and had kids yeah, and yeah. continued down the line so like you want to you want to throw thousands of years of evolution and offspring out the door because you're living in an era where you'd rather put your selfish happiness over the idea of having your own kids instilling good values in them so hopefully someday they'll brighten the world a little bit further yeah because you'd rather go spend like an hour on a yacht in a thong bikini for the rest of your life yeah yeah i've never also i've never met anybody who had a kid and didn't think it was the best thing that ever happened to them in their life i've just never heard it and they'll admit that it's the hardest thing. Yeah, but 100%. It is. that goes hand in hand with the next statement I'm going to make, which is nothing, nothing good in life comes without hard work. And if something good comes without any hard work, there's likely a downfall. Yeah, and, or it's very shortly lived. Very shortly lived, and you're going to be seeking a higher level of it. Yeah. Why do you think that people are so concerned with the short-term happiness? Because comfort has become so high. Comfort comfort has become so easy to come by. And then on top of that, now this game of comparison that we play because of social media. Mm -hmm. So we see glimpses into people's lives and think, they look so happy. They're, they're going on vacation. I wish I was going on. They're doing something I wish I was doing. And they don't see everything that might have gone into, into it prior. Or even so, see some of the issues that are going on right behind that picture being taken, you know? Yeah, dude. I mean, um, through some of the work that I do, I've been able to like actually meet the blue check marks, right? A bunch of the blue check marks. 
And I will tell you this, a lot of those blue check marks, not only do they put in so much work just to be able to like get to that um, level and to be able to take those pictures, those videos, stuff like that. But a lot of them that put on this front of being happy, go lucky and um, overexcited and all this stuff are just not those people in real life either. Yeah, it's an image. Cause it's totally now social media makes it feel like you have to put out an image. And if you aren't putting out a happy image, you're sure as fuck not putting out the real image. People don't want to put out the real image of what their day to day life is. So they want to mm -hmm. pretend to put out something better. Yeah. Yeah. Something that we've talked about a lot um, that I hold a lot of weight to still is the instant gratification thing, which is kind of like what we're talking about. Right. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on it for men specifically. The way men chase instant gratification. Yeah. What do you think that does to a man? It completely derails your opportunity for growth. Yeah. Growth truly only comes from like some level of suffering through a challenge. Mm -hmm. And that challenge, it, it used to happen back in the days just so naturally because life was, it had suffering built into it. Yeah. Nowadays, without having suffering built into it, if you aren't in a circumstance that forced you to be go through some suffering, then you have to actively seek suffering, which is hard. It's super hard to yeah. actively go out of being in a comfort zone into a hard, challenging discomfort zone so that you can learn about the way you react in those situations and what what you need to work on and then improve from there. That A lot of men chasing instant gratification, all that's happening is they're conditioning their brain to not be able to deal with discomfort. And then to be like depressed too, because you don't get the results out of life that you want, because the only thing you've done is chase instant gratification and your life doesn't make any progress in general. Not just you as a person doesn't make progress, but your life doesn't progress. As a man, I think like the, the like funniest and dumbest thing that like um, example that I can come up with is when you build something like even as simple as a stool, when a man builds a stool, the amount of like enjoyment that comes through it. I'm not a handyman at all. When I put together that table, that side table that, you know, the microphone thing is resting on or whatever, it was pure joy. I'm like, yeah, frick. Yeah, I did that. Dude. So of course good, I did good. that. It feels so good. And not to mention, I think that when you, so when you look at Batman or Thor and like all these different, you know, superheroes, or if you look at somebody who like Nick bear, who, runs a hundred miles for a race. There's this level of, um, what's it called? Respect that you gain for that person. And it's because you can recognize man to man, the hard work. A woman, I think, isn't looking at that man that same way. They, they understand the hard work, but they can't relate to it. This is the reason also why I don't think that men should go to a woman therapist, right? They can't empathize with what that experience was like because it's man to man, right? For a woman, they see that it's hard work, but they don't know what it was like to be a man doing that, to give up you know, more income, to give up time with your family, to do all these different things that you have to do as a man. All that to say that you, when, when you are the man chasing instant gratification and you're not getting respect from other people, you're not getting respect from your woman, she like, you know, whatever, it's because the way that you've lived your life thus far is resemblant of 
you chasing instant gratification. I think that's a big reason why men are depressed because they're, and we can talk about, you know, sex and stuff for guys, like how the majority of guys aren't having sex in general. There's more virgins at like 30 years old than there ever has been, stuff like that. But these are parts of the reason why people don't respect you as a man, because when you are that type of way, it bleeds out into your normal life. Yeah. You know, I, I, I got to reset this camera real quick. Okay. We're good. You know, I really, sometimes I, I hate to say things that sound so harsh, but like men as a whole are less man, manly than men used to be. Yeah. Far less like, masculine. Part of it is we've been in, like instilled to be so emotional and like, as a, as somebody who does a men's mental health podcast, like I'm not, I don't want to tell men like be less emotional. That's not by any means my message to men. It's, it's, I want men to be able to open up, but also learn that like open up isn't the only way. So like, you know, I want to step back on something you said, like I don't therapy, especially cause therapy was developed for women back in the day. Mm -hmm. And now it's been like kind of pushed and it's used at mainstream where it wasn't changed for how it was adapted to men. I think there are people with real like deeper levels of mental health conditions where it doesn't matter if you have a female or male therapist. I think yeah. you're going to benefit from therapy because you are probably like there are people dealing with higher levels of mental health that have to do with more of a clinical basis of mental health. That's different than what the majority of the general population deals with, which is like l levels of depression and anxiety that are normal and manageable and can be fixed with like with sleep and nutrition and getting sunlight, you know, yeah. exercise, things like that. Yeah. It's, th there are people out there who like, no matter how much exercise, no matter how much sleep, no matter how much sunlight they get, no matter how good their diet is, no matter how they cut out sugar, all that shit, they're gonna, they have issues that they need to work with somebody on cognitive behavioral therapy or whatever it is that they need to sit there and like, honestly pull the pieces apart and figure out what's yeah, going on. Hundred percent. And yeah. those people need therapy. Those men need therapy, mm -hmm. but the majority of men, it's the fact that like we've taken away what it means to be a man. It, and it, yeah, and you it, become less masculine. And a big part of that is hard work. I mean, it's literally now we know from the neuroscience that our brain likes to stay in homeostasis. And every single time you do something pleasurable or instant gratification or that feels good, you're raising your baseline level of dopamine. Subsequently, inevitably, your brain will then go below baseline level of dopamine to counteract that so that it can come back to homeostasis eventually. So most men nowadays, they've been trained to just continue chasing instant gratification so that they get these little bumps up and then they come back down. And that's so when they're back down, they try to bump it up and then it goes down further and they try to bump it up with more instant gratification and it just continues to dig a hole. So yeah. eventually they're so depressed in their baseline state. Yeah. They don't, they can't even comprehend what it means to come back to a baseline where that depression doesn't exist anymore because it would take a long period of time to come back up to homeostasis without nudging that dopamine up with substances or external ways of increasing it. So I think a lot of guys get stuck in this, this paradigm of, I feel like shit. So if I can do something that makes me feel good, I'm gonna. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like sometimes the best feelings come after the shittiest feelings. Yeah. You hear this about like ultra runners, right? Like sometimes the highest high you feel when you're on running a 50 or 100 mile race is right after you felt the shittiest you've ever felt during that race. And if you just continued running and... Hold on one second, John. Okay. And if you just continued running and were able to just like tell me, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit as much as my brain's telling me to quit right now. Your brain eventually... Like, 
you know, and this is like a micro little example of this, your brand eventually comes back and then you feel the highest of high that you didn't quit and now you continue running and you feel great and you're yes. like, I'm glad I didn't quit. But like apply that on like a grander scale. Sometimes like you have to feel really shitty, which means giving up the things that make you feel good before you're gonna feel good naturally again and feel what that like, that natural high that you can get from life is. Yeah, oh yeah. Which with that being said, that natural high is not something you should expect to feel all the time either. No, because life has ebbs and flows, right? Yeah. So it's not like nothing, nothing in life is consistent. And I think that that's a big reason or a big portion of why guys specifically chase thing, chase that instant gratification. They watch porn or, you know, they, they drink and they smoke because they expect it to feel that way all the time. When really, I think, like you said, like things feel... After your lowest of lows, people always talk about the win is just so much sweeter when you go through hell. Kind of like the marathon runner thing that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, that it's really important for me when I talk to young men, because I work with a lot of high school kids, I tell them you need to find your purpose and you need to stick to it. Find your purpose, figure it out. What are you here for? At least what do you think you're here for? And then work towards that every single day. It doesn't matter if you know for sure that that's really what you're supposed to be doing. You're too young probably to know that right now. But if you have something that you're working towards every single day, when you stack these little wins, it gets better and better and better and better. So you finally get that big goal. And at that point, it might be time to adjust what another goal may be for sure, because you get that win. And you're like, what the fuck do I do with myself now? You know, but at least if you're constantly on the chase looking for something that doesn't give you that gratification within three minutes, it's like, it's an, it's an, you're forever winning. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to go through a tough time to feel good. I mean, yeah. that's why like the hardest workouts you feel the best after. Yeah. Like you almost like, it's just like you're floating on life feeling after like a really hard workout where you're digging and you feel like you're about to cough up blood because you're pushing yourself so hard. Yeah. You feel good after those workouts and like, so good. it's hard to explain how good you feel when somebody hasn't like experienced that to like why they should push themselves to that limit. Yeah. But that, you know, that could be an addiction that is a positive addiction for you. Yes. To like chase after. There's a book. Um, I read this too, because I was recently trying to go pro in CrossFit. Um, it's still a goal of mine. It's still a goal of mine. However, the book's name is called how bad do you want it? And for anybody that's chasing an athletic pursuit, I highly recommend you read this book. They go over research and athletes, like what is actually your threshold, things of that nature. But then they talk mostly about the mental game. And they say that most time, more often than not, it's not your body. It's not your glycogen stores, stores tapping out. Um, it's not the muscle fatigue because they do like biopsy tests and stuff on in the book or whatever. They talk about some studies. It's your mental game. Your mental gives up before your body does. I always say to people, move your body, your mind will follow when I'm like training them, right? But I think the same thing in real life about your mind, right? Move your body, your mind will follow. So many people get stuck in the the, the low portion. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't, you know, whatever. They're depressed. They can't get out of bed. I said, move your fucking body. Your mind is going to follow no matter what every single day. Try to take one step forward. I don't care if literally your steps are you got out of bed one day and you stood there and you laid back down. That's progress. The next day you took one step away from your bed and you lay back down. That's more progress every single day. It's got to be something. Yeah. Okay. And now on this subject, because I think 
there are people out there who excel, who excel at doing certain things, whether it's yeah. like physical fitness or whatnot. You know, we've all, we all have our circumstances from our childhoods that set our brain in a certain way that we, we act this way. So like, uh, we might be very physically driven to want to do physical exercise and push ourselves physically. And I don't expect every somebody who's never done that in their life and has spent most of their life being depressed to just all of a sudden turn around and do it yeah, without some kind of like very big life circumstance to cause it to happen. But it's being aware that like you don't have to do that. You just have to, you have to do like these little things over time slowly and figure out what your like level of success feels like. Yeah. Cause not everybody's success can be the same, you know, and, yep. and whether, whatever it is like pushing your body or even if it's business. Cause like, one of the books I read, Outliers, mm-hmm. um, was like a very big like uh, it shed a, it shed a lot of light for me on the fact that like some of the biggest outliers in the world weren't so special as much as they had some special circumstances when they were young. Yeah, that accumulated to them. Okay. Then, then you have people like Kobe Bryant, right? Like Kobe when he was like eight years old, just by himself would sh- get up in the morning and shoot the basketball, and he'd shoot it all day long, and he like. His dad didn't have to tell him to go shoot the basketball to get better at it. He yeah. just did it. Where like most people when they're eight, doesn't matter how much you love basketball, you probably still chose to sleep in and eat candy and not go out and shoot the basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like where if you want to be like Kobe Bryant, you have to want it so bad from such a young age and like mentality. It's he has this mentality where like when practice is over is not when practice is over. Practice yeah. is never over. Yep. I don't expect most people that want to be great to be able to like show that type of resolve towards something because he wanted it so bad and it was dead set in his mind something locked in from him as a kid and it never changed never changed and he reached this level of greatness for people it's having to like decide what your own level of greatness is mm-hmm. and accept the fact that it's not going to happen in a year it's not going to happen in two years it's probably going to to see like real real substantial change it's going to take five years yeah and then to like really make it stick and make it a habit like it's it takes a long it takes a long time because even if you're somebody who never walks and then you just start walking you know the first year like you get into walking get into like going for 10 minute walks maybe 20 minute walks 30 minute walks you're gonna have some ups and downs of like you're gonna quit walking eventually and then you're gonna have some weeks and months without walking and you'll be like oh man i forgot how good it felt to walk and you get back to walking again but it's it's gonna take years for you to like see just how like you almost have to like fail over and over of like man why did i go another month without walking even though i know it makes me feel good every time i walk you have to like keep going through that process to like have it be something that it's just it's not even a question anymore you're like yeah i get up every day and i go for a walk because i just know it's like part of who you are yeah yeah um it it, it makes me think of like this the when it comes to learning like they say you have to hear something seven times before it gets stuck in your head i never heard that yeah like okay. it's something like when it comes to like learning stuff, you almost have to hear it seven times for it to become like a fact in your head that it just, it's, you know, it, you know I'm going to tell my girlfriend that <laughs> <laughs> that's be careful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I think that applies in some way in life where it's like, you almost have to like fail something so many times for you to like r- see the true benefit of it. Uh, Does that make sense? I just talked to somebody about this the other day. Um, yeah, what I told him was that you cannot be afraid of failure because it's the only way that you're going to learn. And you're probably going to fail a million times. Not everyone is like that. Some people are much smarter than us and they can watch somebody else, see what exactly they did, how they failed 
and they take the lesson from that person, but that's not going to be without their own failures along the way. So they'll still fail in some way, you know, but they might be able to look at somebody else's failures and learn a lot from that. But yeah, you definitely do have to fail in order for to progress for yeah. sure. And for me to like open up a little bit here yeah. and like show like a little bit like the weakness I've been through in my twenties, like porn was a big one for me. I through my most of my teenage years, my young teenage years, um, I didn't realize how much porn was this like outlet for me. Like whenever I was depressed, I just watched porn. Whenever I was not feeling good or socially isolated or whatever, I would watch porn. So then going into college, like it was just such a thing for me that like I would watch porn to make myself happy. Um, and I was never like I was never watching porn six, seven times a day, every single day, but it was a constant occurrence for me daily. Like it was something I just considered a part of my life because it made me happy and it would take away the bad feelings temporarily. Mm -hmm. And through like at one point in my 20s, in my early 20s, I realized the consequence of watching porn daily that I was just draining my dopamine and it wasn't good for me. And I, I tried to quit it and you know, I would last a few days and then I would get back to it. And then again, I think about it and I try to quit it again and it lasts a week. And it was this process that like, man, I'd say probably from 23 up until, um, 27, 28 that like, it was this, I constantly tried to quit it and constantly kept going back to it, constantly tried to quit it. And eventually what happened is eventually the quitting turned into like, okay, well now I'm quitting it for a month at a time. Then I go back to it for a few days and I quit it for a month and I'd go back to it for a few days, which in hindsight, like I was not, when I was failing at those times, I wasn't looking at them as progress from when I used to fail for the fact that I would, I'd only quit it for a week and I'd go right back to it for a few weeks and I'd quit mm. it for a week. I never saw that as progress. But in hindsight, now that I've not watched porn for two years, good job. Thank you. It's it's this realization that holy shit, how many times did I have to fail at quitting porn till it stuck? Doesn't matter. It's stuck. It doesn't matter because it's stuck. Yeah. But it's the fact that I don't think. I don't think it was possible for me when I was 23 at the very first time to quit it, to just quit it. And I was done. I needed to fail at quitting it enough times for me to finally figure out how to quit it for good. And man, I like the minute little changes that every time I quit and went back to it and quit and went back to it and that, you know, that the, the periods got extended and extended. It's such minute little changes in the way I thought of it, the way I perceived it before it finally just went over that hill yeah. and quitting it for that last time was like, a, am not quitting and counting my days. I'm quitting for life. Yeah, that's and, good. And it's, it, to me, that has been such a damn valuable lesson because I, you know, I failed at it so much in my twenties that yeah. I like, I questioned if I was like, I'm just going to watch porn for the rest of my life. Sure. And at one point I like wrote down a, a thing cause I used to, I, I really use like writing stuff to myself a lot. Yep. And I wrote down, I was like, I don't want to be 35 years old someday and still trying to quit porn. Right. Like that, that felt bad to me. Yep. That idea that there's this thing I recognize as negative. Mm -hmm. And for me to still be at the age of 35, like not able to quit it. I'm 31 now. And I'm glad I can say like, yep, I quit it for the last two years. And I could tell that like sometimes when I'm feeling low or sad, my brain wants to like tell me, hey, why don't you go chase dopamine somewhere? Yeah. But it's amazing the way I like treat it differently now. You yeah. know, if a, if a reel comes up on Instagram, that's like a little spicy. Oh, they happen all the time. Exactly. And my brain used to like, 
let me go on a path of like you know oh, scroll it scroll it and then when you scroll one spicy you know one little whatever real instagram instagram wants to throw more at you it's the doom scrolling yeah we're like now it's like it's amazing to me how my brain sees that and catches it and then i go click on those three little buttons and say not interested and don't show me more content like this shit what yeah that's a thing yeah so like i now actively make like when that shit comes up i'm like i don't need, like i don't want to give my brain because i know there's that 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 voice, that part of my brain that would not want to quit porn that I had to learn how to deal with yeah. is still in there. And it's still just as likely to want to get back into watching porn daily if I just let it. So it's like this like constant daily discipline. And I mean, it's not daily anymore. Yeah. But for the longest time of those first two years, it was this daily discipline yeah. of don't don't click on it. Like, don't scroll it. Don't wow. click on our page to look at more of her reels because she put up this video that caught your attention. And now your brain, there's the little whatever primal part of your brain is like, I want to look at more of that, you know? Like, yeah. But man, like that, that was so hard to have to like fight at first every day and to accept that like, nope, this isn't who I am. This isn't what I, it's not, no, it's not even that this isn't who I am. This isn't who I want to be. Sure. I think one thing that a lot of guys struggle with, um, and this is talked about in mental health. First off, I think mental health is very real. I just want to clarify that from before. I do think therapy works for some people, some men, I think that if you're diagnosed with some real shit, go to therapy. But like the majority of depressed guys aren't really depressed. They lack purpose. That's number one. Number two, um, I didn't know that there was a three button not interested thing. So now I'm going to press that because I get those all the time. Um, what else was I going to say? What did, what, where did you end on? Sorry. Um, the idea that oh, like, okay. the daily. Yeah. Yep. I think a lot of guys also struggle with um, their thoughts being who they are. What I'm thinking is who I am. And I think that this has to do with the instant gratification thing as well, because your thoughts are not who you are. And this is what meditation teaches, right? If you learn to let your thoughts just be thoughts, everybody has intrusive thoughts or whatever. You could have an intrusive thought of, I want to punch this person in the face. That doesn't mean that you're going to punch that person in the face. That doesn't mean that you're a violent person. None of that, but you're not always your thoughts. So you're not the guy who's 35 and trying to quit porn. You can't identify with every thought that goes through your brain. Um, I think a lot of guys have trouble with that in general. Have you noticed that? Yeah. 100% where, because we kind of kind of mentioned this earlier to you before we started this podcast, uh, I've been reading this book called No Bad Parts, okay. which is about IFS, internal family systems, which basically the whole premise of the, the internal family systems is that we always think of ourselves as a mono mind, that we operate as a mono mind, that every thought we have is comes from this one big mind that we have. Mm. But in, in reality, what this system proposes is that we're multiple parts. Our brain is composed of multiple parts and we're born this way. And we all have these like different personalities inside of us that come out in different moments. You know how yep. you might act in different social settings and different from different family, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and that those parts can get stuck at an age that they went through some like emotional type trauma that got them to always like react and be this certain way. Yep. So like, for example, for me, it might've been like, I went through some trauma maybe when I was young or some some kind of emotional trauma where like I used porn as an outlet and that part of me never really grew up. Yeah. And it took me years to like learn how to be open with that space of that part of me to like let it to learn that like 
it, it didn't always need to get what it wanted. Yeah. But it was there. And yeah. that was my way of like dealing with stress or anxiety at the time. And that well, because maybe as a kid, you didn't always get what you wanted. And this was the one thing that you control, you could control when you wanted this, you could have it precisely. Right. Yeah. Like you, it was a one way I knew I could make myself feel good. Yeah. And this idea that like your thoughts mm-hmm. are coming from these different parts of your brain. And when you start to learn how to like give them space and you learn how to like unburden those parts and like figure out why, why, why do I default to doing this? Why do I default to this reaction when this happens? What's the trigger? Yeah. triggering from something that might have happened when I was young and now I always just act this way because that's all that part of me knows how to do that like you have to like unfold those like layers of an onion yeah. so that you can let the thought come and then let the thought go because all of a sudden you stop associating with it I struggle with this on a daily basis so I'll be a little bit more open than I generally am on podcasts too right now um, I grew up incredibly poor so poor and it still like hurts me to this day so i'll have random freakouts like throughout the week about money you know or like whatever and like things could be going super well but my my one really good example is at costco or i I don't know if this is a gas station thing maybe you can uh tell me i have a truck okay it's it's expensive to fill up it's not it's not light work on the wallet right But one time I was there and this is the first time Heather ever saw me freak out about money, like freak out. Um, I knew I had a good amount of money in my bank account. This was not logical at all, but I I pay for the gas and it stops at a hundred dollars. Is that a normal gas station thing? No, I don't think so. Well, it stops at a hundred dollars. So it was at Costco. I don't know if maybe that's the reason why, because it's debit or something. Yeah. But it stopped at a hundred dollars and I'm freaking out because it doesn't fill my tank hundred dollars it basically fills the tank but it doesn't fill it um it stops at a hundred dollars and i go into full panic mode i'm like my i'm like my younger self again i'm a little kid in my head freaking out about my where am i gonna get my food where am i gonna you know is the electric is electricity gonna be on when i get home all these different things and i check my bank account and there's like way more money than i need in the bank account at the time you know and then i'm just like finally got put to ease but then i was like oh my god my trauma from being a poor child is still in me i have to work through this somehow um so i still do have episodes of that too for sure i gotta read that book yeah yeah it's i'm currently still in the process of reading it um so i i'll give you i'll definitely give you like more input on as i finish it yeah kieran is actually reading it as well so that we can kind of like discuss it together little book club yeah exactly we're we're trying to start a book club this summer and like this is our first book so we're gonna like continue doing more books we're like yeah we are gonna like read books and then talk about them together that's cool yeah that's really cool yeah where do you think um we talked about like guys and their struggles where do you think man i don't know if i want to like touch on the porn thing more because i really have like some serious opinions about porn what do you think the real issue with porn is for guys it's not do you think it's exclusive to men no, I don't think it's exclusive. I think men struggle with it more. Uh, okay. I think there's plenty of women that probably struggle with it as well. Uh, women, I think a lot, a lot of women struggle with erotica, reading uh, like a, a books that are uh, oh, like Fifty Shades or something. Yeah, yeah, but there's more extreme stuff than that. But there's a lot of women who have very much issues where they just read a lot of erotic literature, really, as a way to like it feels Fulfill. good, it passes time, and it they 
they eventually start seeking more and more extreme erotica and stuff like that. The really? same way that like, you know, men seek more and more, what's the word, novel porn to like itch that itch in their brain. Um, yeah. So intrinsically, I want, okay, I think the issue with porn is if you're a guy and you can watch porn every once in a while and it doesn't bother you, sure, it's fine. Like, I don't necessarily think it's the worst thing in the world if you have control of it. Well, there's always the novelty people, right? That can do like crack once in a while and be like, good. You know, like I've actually known people like that that can smoke crack like once every three months and they're good. You know? Yeah, yeah. But the majority of people do build an addiction. They build, right. or they, they build, they build a pathway that yep. they need to continue to fulfill and they need to fulfill it with more and more. And eventually it, it's just a road that it, it, it gives you a hunger that you're never going to fill. Yeah, exactly. And then it gives you these unrealistic expectations. It makes yep. you look at life differently. And, um, and even the people that probably still have control of it, I still think would benefit from not using it as mm-hmm. well, because ultimately it, it's not natural the way that we can consume it now. Right. The level that we can consume it, the the HD level that we can consume it, it's you know, crazy. all that. And it's everywhere. It's so easily accessible compared to what it used to be. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't think porn was really as big of an issue back when it was just porn mags or like no shot. Yeah. Or, or even like a VHS tape that right. you got like back in the 70s or some shit like that. Yeah. But the fact that it's like so easily accessible and then it's turned into like, man, like OnlyFans now. Yeah. Like I think that's such a terrible thing for the world even though there's everyone men and women men and women even though there are people out there that want to argue well it's the first time ever though that sex workers have been able to make money and bypass the porn industry and some of that shady and shadiness that happens there but I, i don't think that takes away from the fact that it's still an overall negative pest to society i don't even think that they're this is probably a jarring opinion to people these days i don't even think the sex industry should be a thing i don't think that there should be sex workers and it it might not be a popular opinion now but it is my opinion i think that sex work things of that nature are just like i don't know how else to say it degenerate and shouldn't be as accepted as it is i agree with you i will go as far as to say though that like the idea of like prostitution or whatever like i think that that's more natural to us as a species than to be able to pull up a, a video on a monitor and watch high de- high resolution of two other people fucking on camera yeah at the click of a button and you could scroll to your favorite scene and then when that video's over you click to your ne- like you don't know if those people are being trafficked or whatever prostitution too by the way every man you're paying for sex some way somehow even if you're in a relationship with a woman you are paying for sex just get it clear yeah 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 without a doubt yeah but it's just it, it's not natural and i think it's it just feeds into the instant gratification so badly. Yeah. And I mean, the blowing up the, of the internet through the late 90s into the early 2000s, I mean, that the internet blew up because of porn. Yeah. And so many things have blown up because of porn. Like cameras got uh, better and better. Blu-ray discs came out because of porn, you know. They really? Yeah. Like there's wow. all this shit where like porn had an influence, like a big influence on like Porn changed the world, dude. Never mind. Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's literally shit like that. Like, it, yeah. that's the kind of effect this had because it's such a, it digs at like such a primal part of us. Yeah. 100%. You know, which yeah. tells you something bad enough right there about it. You know, that like, 
it is getting at the very core of something very primal in us that's hard to resist. And in a society where life's gotten so comfortable, things that are really hard to resist turn into really, really negative things. Yeah. Um, my honest opinion about porn and the OnlyFans movement, all that stuff, is that it's like a planned attack to sedate men. So I'll, I'll add to this because okay. I'm a, I got a, you know, I don't even think this is a conspiracy theory. I think yeah. this is something a lot of people will agree with. Um, the feminist movement from the sixties and like late fifties mm -hmm. was the beginning of like the destruction of the, the common household family Yep. because this movement started telling women that they shouldn't be stay at home moms and that yep. they should work, which was just really a ploy to get more people into the workforce, to get more taxation, more consumers, for the all that, more yep. consumers and whatnot. And as that happened, like you start getting more dual income family households where kids were then pushed off into daycare and whatnot and things like Somebody that. Somebody else is raising your kids. Else, and then now your kids are being indoctrinated, indoctrinated, indoctrinated into, you know, whatever different ways of, uh, of living than what you would traditionally tell them. Yep. Um, and the consequence of that is like, we're seeing that now, like. I, I think it, it does kind of all feed into itself, uh, which I'm not religious and I'm, I'm, I'm almost like anti-religion, if anything, like mm -hmm. I, I'm anti, I'm, I'm an agnostic borderline atheist, but, mm -hmm. uh, like the older I've gotten, the more I've seen like the reason that like we need to have religion because, or like why a lot of people need to have it that can't think independently enough to try to like do these, like have these values that I mean, I grew up in a religious household, so I don't know. Maybe all the values I have about family is because of religion at the end of the day. So even being yeah. non-religious, I can admit that my values come from religion sure. and whatnot. But like, yeah, I think that's a big issue that like you start to make women think that they need to have the same power as men instead of realizing that women had massive amount of power in what they could do as being moms and raise women raise the next generation. They yes, men. It, it's actually like. The, the ability to influence children, dude. Men used to men hardly spent time with kids like two hundred years ago, three hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. Men hunted and gathered and hardly spent time with kids. Yeah, mothers took all that and all that into care, and like they mainly raised kids. That like nowadays you have like way more men spending way more time with their kids, which like is a great thing. It's it's good, yeah. but like at the same time, to a point, to a point, because like you're. T women are more nurturing. They're better at raising kids than men, period. Mm -hmm. Men are good at being a good role model for the kids in some sense, but the way that moms can be role models for the kids is different. Yeah. And, it's in, and it's this like more emotionally available way that like we're getting women who are like not, not getting to give that type of attention to their kids anymore because they believe that they have to have a career and then they're they're having to choose a career over their kids and things like that. And I think that's, it's, it's gotta be really hard for women to go through right now. Yeah. But then it's, what's also happening is like a, a woman thinks to herself, like I could post on OnlyFans and make a bunch of money instead of whatever, you know, yeah. do something that might be a little bit more in line with their morals or values. So then they'll throw their morals or values out for that quick buck. Yeah. Well, it's the idea that everybody wants to be like egalitarian, right? And that everybody at all times, everything needs to be equal in the real world. It doesn't operate that way, right? Like when you get into a fight with somebody, it's not equal. One man will win, you know, yep. because they have an advantage over the other person. 
and women definitely have the advantage over over raising children than men do in the sense that they're able to be empathetic more so towards the kid. not everyone obviously especially when you throw birth control and stuff into the mix and all that but um they have the advantage when it comes to raising kids and men have the advantage in other ways it's not that one thing is right or wrong or that it's worse or better it just is and it has been for hundreds of thousands of hundreds years of thousands of years and People wanting to change your natural biological calling is just pretty, pretty crazy to me that that's like a whole thing too. You know, like we are, we're called to do things genetically and through our biology and trying to change that. I mean, just look at the, look at the direction that everything is headed. Like if you said that you're not very religious and that's totally cool. I'm not very religious either. Although I think I converted myself to Christianity yesterday. I think I made the argument for the Bible yesterday by accident. So now I'm having this existential crisis <laughs> right now. Um, but if you look at the values that were that are in the Bible and um, culture right now and the way that it's headed and the direction, it all seems to be fighting against Christianity. Yeah. You know, like getting rid of the family unit, taking, um, making men less masculine, making women more masculine. Um, there, I mean, there's so many examples of that, but getting back to the porn thing. Um, yeah, I think that it's like a plot to make men more docile because guys who like are free thinking and not chasing instant gratification all the time are just like dudes that are way less controllable than the inverse. Yeah. And that's a problem in society for people that want control. Yeah. And, you know, people want to think that like this sounds so conspiratorial, but at the same time, the way that something like this builds up over time is it's just slow. It's yeah, it's the way like when you're at the top of a corporate business and you're just looking at making earnings, like things like this can seem so conspiratorial. But at the end of the day, they're they're like human nature. People want more money and they want to figure out how to control more. So, yeah, you figure out how to do these little things that make people like in a little bit worse off positions to make different decisions, make different decisions that might benefit uh, a different corporation. And over time yeah. it builds and it builds and it builds. And next thing you know, like you have a society that's operating on just be being a consumer society. Yeah. It might not be Illuminati or anything like that. It might just g genuinely be people trying to make more money. It's like, have pr higher profit margins and stuff. It could very well be that, you know, some level of unchecked capitalism. Exactly. Yeah, totally. But at the end of the day, it's also hard to argue because I do believe America is the greatest country in the world. I think what we, Absolutely. it's also the greatest experiment of what a country could be without, you know, with the level of freedom that we have in this country. Yeah. You know, some might argue they're not free, but like you are free here compared more to free every, than, yeah, more free than anywhere else in the world. For sure. And, I don't know if there is a better way to be or, a, for, yeah. a, or for a country to operate, but all I know is there's never been a better way. Yeah. Like, there is no time in society where you can go back in time and like life was better for an everyday person who wasn't wealthy or rich. Like, and we won't live long enough to run the other experiments. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So anyway, dude, I know you got to go. Um, you got a tea time to hit, but we should definitely run this back. I really appreciate your time coming on the pod. Um, like, subscribe, plug your podcast, anything that you want. Unturned Stones, if you guys have a chance, go follow it. Listen to some podcasts. Let me know what you think. Shoot me some comments and DMs if you guys have any thoughts about it. Otherwise, uh, yeah, it'd be great if you guys, you know, anybody yeah. that gives it, gives it a chance. Yeah, sweet, dude. Well, thanks so much for coming, dude. I appreciate Thanks, it. Well, I appreciate yeah. having me. Talk to you guys in the next one. Like, subscribe. Peace out. Peace.